today my talk is called Attentional. Attentional. Um, I want to start with three readings. Reading number one, Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. You know, it's interesting just to quickly get our bearings here in this little text. To a first century uh, person in this world, following and disciple were the same thing. They weren't separate, they were together. So to follow a rabbi, to follow a master, was to be a disciple. So when Jesus says, follow me and be my disciple, it's the two things together. By following me, you are my disciple. Second reading, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, St. Paul says this, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. He's saying, as you see all of this goodness in me, it's only here because I am imitating Christ. I am following Jesus. And so as you see that, you should imitate what you see in me because this is me imitating him. As I follow him, do as I do too. And Dallas Willard, our third reading for today. <laughs> Some of you are chuckling. Dallas Willard says this, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. The first act of love is always the giving of attention. Think of the moments in your life where you have palpably experienced love. Well, Dallas's line here would say, the first part of that was you're experiencing attention on you or attention to and other. Take a moment and let's just pray together. Lord, I pray that you would take these words that have been prepared today and you would plant them like a good seed in good soil, that our hearts would be receptive to receive from you these good things today. Lord, let the wisdom that is of you come by your spirit, I pray. Bring life and sustain us. May these not just be ideas that fill our head, but may these be truths that go deep into our beings today, I pray. By your spirit, I ask these things. Amen. Um, this summer, we went on an epic road trip for our holiday. Uh, we clocked off just before Christmas, and as a family, we went down to the bottom of the North Island and back. And while we were down in Wellington, we were staying with some really good friends of ours. They've got an awesome house down there, and we got to stay with them for a week. And so as two families, what we would do is we'd take these little day trips, and we'd go out and explore areas around Wellington. So we went out to the Upper one day, and we headed around to Cape Palliser, and we, um, we convoyed our way there in two cars as two families. Now, my friend Toby, who was the friend we're staying with, he, it's his area, he knows the way, so I would follow him. He would lead. Which meant that when I was following him, I had a job to do. And the job was this. I had to keep an eye on his car. I had to follow his dark blue RAV4. 
I had to keep it in front of me. And when people would pull in between us or they'd change lanes and get in front of us, I now had to figure out, do I go around them or you know, do we both move over to the left or will this person be, oh, where's he gone? And as we're, as we're heading along and if th- several cars have gotten in between us, like, do we stop and pull over so I can catch up or do we keep going? Do I pass these cars? Uh, I had to keep watching for him to make sure he didn't take an exit that I missed. Um, I, had to be, I had to move right when he moved right. I had to move left when he moved left. I had to spot when he was indicating and I had to do the same. I had to imitate his journey. We were going to the same place after all. I had to keep my eyes on his car and I had to pay attention. Because to follow takes attention. The Christian life is one of, as our scriptures have told us today, following Christ. It's this quest of all of our matters of life being done in the manner of the master. That's my phone, paper. That's my phone wallpaper for 2023, by the way. Uh, I can send it to you if you're interested. Doing all matters in the manner of the master, 2023, Dan Sheed. Now, I know that this is Captain Obvious, and I know that you are like, Dan, you're hitting a drum here that you always hit, but we keep forgetting it too easily. To be a Christian is not to be a person who just believes a set of certain beliefs, or prays a certain type of prayer, or attends a certain type of gathering once a week called church, or subscribes to a particular type of ethic. A a Christian is a person who has decided with their life to follow the Master, That master is Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. A life that is an imitation of that master. A life that is in pursuit of becoming like him as if he were you. All of our life gets up for grabs in this. All of our life becoming like Jesus. Our whole lives, all matters. And at the heart of following And imitating, as Paul uses that language, is a crucial matter of having our attention on what we are following. So we could rewrite Jesus' great invitation to Matthew that we heard just before. We could write that invitation, that same invitation that's echoed down to us today, come follow me. We could rewrite that. We could rework it as this, come, set your attention on me. Come, be attentional. And yes, that is a real word. Today, as we start our year, four weeks late, but starting it nonetheless, I I, want to ask us together, are we being attentional people? Where is our attention? Because as Dallas Willard's quote says so beautifully, the first step of living in love, of being in love, of experiencing love, is always this giving of attention. So what we have attention on is also what we love. And I'm sure that you'll agree, that's quite a big deal. That's quite a big deal. So let's start by asking this question. So what is attention? If you look up the dictionary, attention is simply defined as this, observation and awareness. Observation and awareness. But um, to fatten that out a little bit further, I want to refer to this terrific little book I was reading at the start of my Christmas holidays, Johan Hari, his new book called Stolen Focus. The subline there, Why You Can't Pay Attention. 
Now, this book's quite fascinating. Um, Johan and his nephew went on a big trip that he had planned with his nephew for a long time. His nephew's a lot younger than him. He's a teenager. They went to this massive trip overseas that Johan took him on and paid for, and most of the time, his nephew was just on Snapchat with his friends. And Johan was like, come on. We're standing in Graceland in Memphis looking at Elvis's house. Why are you just on Snapchat to your friends? And he realized that there was this entire worldview that his young nephew was living in that he could not snap him out of no matter how hard he tried. His nephew has lost focus. And then the confronting thing was Johan found it was exactly the same for him too. Just looked a little different. So he writes this book on uh, recovering his attention. Now as part of this book, Hari interviews former Google strategist James Williams, who describes three layers of attention. I want to read you a bit of an excerpt here from the book. So buckle in, it's a bit of a big quote. He says this, the first layer of your attention, uh, James Williams said, is your spotlight attention, okay, spotlight. This is when you focus on immediate actions, like I'm going to walk into the kitchen and make a coffee. You want to find your glasses. You want to see what's in the fridge. You want to finish reading this chapter of the book. It's called the spotlight because, as I explained earlier, it involves narrowing down your focus. If your spotlight gets distracted or disrupted, you are prevented from carrying out near-term actions like these. The second layer of your attention, so spotlights first, your second layer is your starlight. This is, he says, the focus that you can apply to your longer-term goals, your projects over time. You want to write a book. You want to set up a business. You want to be a good parent. It's called the starlight because when you feel lost, you look up to the stars and you remember the direction you're traveling in. And if you become distracted from your starlight, he said, you lose sight of the longer-term goals. You start to forget where you are headed. And the third layer of your attention, so spotlight, starlight, your third layer is daylight. This is the form of focus that makes it possible for you to know what your longer term goals are in the first place. How do you know you want to write a book? How do you know you want to set up a business? How do you know what it means to be a good parent? Well, without being able to reflect and think clearly, you won't be able to figure these things out. He gave it this name because it's only when a scene is flooded with daylight that you can see the things around you most clearly. And if you get so distracted that you lose your sense of the daylight, James says, in many ways you may not even be able to figure out where, who you are, what you wanted to do, or where you want to go. Williams believes that losing your daylight is the deepest form of distraction. And you may even begin decohering. This is when you stop making sense of yourself or to yourself because you don't have the mental space to create a story of who you are. You become obsessed with petty goals or dependent on simplistic signals from the outside world like retweets. You lose yourself in a cascade of distractions. You can only find your starlight and your daylight if you have sustained periods of reflection. Now this is very secular language, but you'll, you'll notice some of this in, in the church too. Reflection mind-wandering, and deep thought. We could just rewrite that with Christian words like silent, solitude, and, and uh, meditation. James has come to believe that our attention crisis is depriving us of all three of these forms of focus. We are losing our light, writes Hari. He then goes on to say this just a little bit further on in the book. This is from Johann Hari himself. He says this, if we want to do what matters in any domain, any context in life, we have to be able to give attention to the right things. 
If we can't do that, it's really hard to do anything. So, as Johann Hari finds and concludes, our attention is at a crisis point, and this matters because what we give our attention to, we do. So a question for us all to consider, is your attention at crisis point today? Uh, to do this, let's just think of our attention for a moment. Um, you know, our phones, all day long. Our phones are notifying us, letting us know that they would like some attention, please. Following our Instagram, TikTok, notifications, text messages, emails, the news updates on Harry Styles' speech at the Grammys, whatever it is, it's attention. Think of the people around you. Kids. Maybe it's celebrities. Harry and Megan. Whatever. It's attention. Or the priorities around us, the events, the things in our schedule that take up mental attention for us. You know, maybe you've got a wedding coming up. Maybe you've got a significant event or a party coming up. Maybe you've got a product launch for work. Maybe it's the school run that you have to figure out how to do tomorrow amongst a cyclone. Maybe it's swimming lessons you've got to get your kids to or shopping lists. It's attention. Prayer. Time spent with Jesus. Time beholding God. It's attention. All of this is attention economy. So let's just do a quick thought experiment together to just calculate how we're doing with attention. These concentric circles here, these are going to represent your ideal attention and focus for you. Okay, this is just for you. And in that center is meant to be the things that are most dear to you, the things that you find most, they're the most valuable things to you. And out working out towards the edge, at the edge of the things that are most peripheral, the things that are actually not that important to us, they actually don't affect our day, they don't affect us, all right? To be honest, they're not that valuable. So in the middle, for you, what's there? What would you like to have the most attention on? Is it Jesus? Is it your nearest and dearest relationships to people? Your family? Those you love? Is it your vocation? Maybe those next layers out, what's there for you? Maybe it's your interests, your hobbies. Maybe it's the working out how to pay off the mortgage. Maybe it's achieving that key goal that you set on January the 1st. Or right out to the outer layer. What's just dropping in and, 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 and just having a little bit of impact on your attention, but actually it's not a big deal. Posts from influencers on Instagram. The celebrity goss. The stuff that you want the stuff that you'd like to buy. Or maybe, if we're being brutally honest, and I'm not trying to make this a leading question, but maybe those circles are around the wrong way. And maybe in the center aren't those things that you love the most. Maybe in the center, if you're brutally honest with your attention, are the things that are meant to be on the outside of the diagram. So the more important question is not to ask, what do I want in the middle and what do I want on the outside? The most important question to ask is, what actually is in the middle? What actually is on the outside? Because remember, Dallas Willard's quote from earlier, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. To say we love someone or to say we love something is to say that person, that, that, that thing, it has my attention. And so here's the really confronting thing about this thought experiment that I was holding in front of you today. Those circles are not just showing you what you value, they are showing you what you love. 
Because what you spend your time and your energy attentive to is the giving of love. And as James K.A. Smith says, uh, he says, we don't always love what we think we love. We don't always love what we think we love. There's this idea to say, hey, sometimes we think we love something, but actually when we look at the cold hard facts, we realize, actually, I, I don't actually love this. The hard evidence is showing me otherwise. We need to wake up to that. You know, we might say that we love a certain person and that they have our attention. But when we're two hours deep of the day of scrolling on our phone and our kid has been tapping, uh, tugging at our T-shirt trying to show us their latest Lego creation and we keep shrugging them off, is that, is that love? Do we actually love what we think we love? A little sideways shift that I just want to make here. I have been absolutely captured by this scripture in these last couple of months. John 6, 66 to 69. Here's the scripture. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, are you also going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. What's going on here is that just earlier before this passage, Jesus has been doing some pretty gnarly teaching and it's getting pretty hard for some people to fathom it and to take it on board and it's getting uncomfortable. It's getting uncomfortable as he does some of his teaching. You can back up and you can read John 6 for yourself and you can see some of those things. It's the eat my flesh, drink my blood kind of stuff. It is pretty gnarly. Um, and what's happening is, is this people are just like, this is just, nah, this is too full on. I'm out of here. And while that's all happening, Jesus catches the gaze of his disciples. He says, are you going to go too? Are you going to go too? A couple of observation points I just want to show you from this text. The answer from Simon Peter on behalf of the disciples is saying, no, we're not going anywhere because we have found something in you so wonderful and so beautiful. We cannot get a comparative version anywhere else. They're saying, we've found something in you so life-giving. No one else is offering us how to get there. They are putting Jesus at the middle of their circles. He alone has their most attention. You know, a modern day version of this, if I could paraphrase it and rewrite it for you. Jesus I've looked on the blogs. I've followed the biggest pastoral influences on TikTok. I've listened to all of the podcasts by Practicing the Way and Bridgetown Church and KXC and Bethel and Hillsong. And I could keep going on. I've had a whole bunch of coffee chats. I've followed those who have lots of numbers on their Twitter and Instagram. I've read the top 10 of the books in the self-help section. I've stayed up late with my friends talking philosophically about the meaning of life and existence. But only you, only you seem to have the whole package, Jesus. Only you are delivering on giving me the truest and most flourishing life. Only you seems to be where I can find it. And so no, where else will I go? Who else will have my utmost attention well, actually, from now on, everyone else will have my secondary attention after you. 
They are saying, we're not going anywhere. We're serious about following you, which means our attention is on only you. So let's take our lead from the disciples here. They are saying all these other things that can have our attention ultimately will not satisfy. They don't stack up. To find life and life abundant, we come to the one who's promised it, Jesus the Christ. You know, how does that make you feel as I just recite that little moment of scripture to you today? How does it make you feel as you think about those circles? How does it make you feel as you just consider your attention today? Well, I want to offer just a couple of helpful practices here as we start to finish today that might help to just move the needle a little bit. And if you're sitting there thinking like, man, my attention on Christ is way off, then hopefully some of these will help. If you're thinking, I'm just so scatterbrained, I'm I'm distracted, I can't get my attention under control, hopefully some of these these will help. As you just think about what it looks like for you to go and live Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, being attentive to God, hopefully some of these things will help. So to wrap this up, a couple of helpful practices to help you get your attention back before Jesus. So, how do we do it? I think we have to get attentional. Firstly, we need to literally organize our distractions. Have you taken some time to take your phone and go through the phone settings and actually sort out your notifications? You know, we didn't used to get notified about stuff, and now we do. We get notified about everything. But you know what? You can turn that off. You can. You can turn that off. You can go through your phone, and, and you can go to your email setting even, and you can say, you know what, email, I would like you to come every hour rather than just whenever you want. Actually, I'd like you to come every six hours. In fact, I'd like you to come once a day. You could do that. You could turn off your social media notifications so that you control when you turn it on and have a look. You could control those things. Or have you got a diary planner or your calendar? And have you boxed up your day into some core tasks that you commit to so that you will not get distracted? Have you got it so that there's this ping, ping, ping all day and that's the thing that's steering your day? Or are you in the driver's seat? You know, can you, some of you are going to have cold sweats at this idea, but can you leave your phone off your person for more than an hour? More than two hours? More than half a day? Um, I went somewhere with Jimmy the other day and I left my phone on the counter and um, I was like about an hour deep and I realized I'd left my phone and, and like, Part of me was relieved that I left my phone behind because it's like epic. I'm just going to be here with my boy doing this little, these little errands we're doing. And then the other part of me panicked because I was like, I don't have my phone. What if something goes wrong? You know, all of those kinds of thoughts. But, but we have to kind of find a healthy balance here. Could you live without it? Can you, actually? These are the, this is the process of organizing our distractions and getting con- in control And so the first step I would say today is to become more attentive to God and to get our attentional lives sorted. We have to take small and practical ways to start organizing our distractions. And so my first thing would just be this. Hey, this afternoon or something, get into your phone settings and start dialing off some of that stuff so that it's not dictating to you response. You can just go to it when you want. Start there. That's the first step. 
Secondly, commit to starting the day in prayer. Now, last year I spoke on this in our prayer series, and I just want to repeat it again. I told this little story about Dallas Willard and how he was being asked in an interview about how he starts his day. And he told this beautiful story about how he starts his day with 10 minutes of prayer every day. It's been the sa- it had been the same for decades. For 10 minutes, he would pray through the Lord's Prayer, line by line, bouncing off just different pieces as it came across, different ideas. He'd go to different places of prayer. He would pray the Lord's Prayer, then he would pray the 23rd Psalm. He would do that every day. I love that. Line by line, meditating, sitting with God, praying this piece of prayer. Then he would declare, the Lord is here. And he would start his day. They love that? The Lord is here. Off he goes. Now there's another little part to that story that I didn't share last year that I want to share with you now. The story goes like this. Then he would continue the rest of his day trying to live out his quiet time. He would try to live out those prayers that he'd spent the last 10 minutes praying. He would keep trying to bring back to his mind's attention that the Lord is his shepherd, that his kingdom is coming, that he is to forgive. He would look for all the moments in his relationships, in his marriage, in his work, in his chores, in his hobbies. He would be trying to live his quiet time, quote unquote. All of his life was being lived from that morning attention to God in prayer. Those 10 minutes set the course of his entire day. Those 10 minutes set the course of every other interaction he was going to have. And that's perhaps prayer in its most truest form. Prayer that does something in us that makes us want to go and live in a different way. Spending time with God in a way that's going to bring the kingdom of heaven into our bodies, lived in expression all day long. And so to get that, to become those kinds of people, I want to offer another little challenge, a little encouragement. Start the day with prayer. A simple prayer rhythm. Whatever you can handle. You know, it might be like Dallas. You might just have to spend those first few minutes reciting something. You might have to recite the Lord's Prayer or a psalm. It might be having to get your hands on a prayer book. There's terrific prayer books available around these days. Maybe you have to grab one. Maybe you have to sit down with a piece of paper and write your own prayer. A little prayer that you can pray every day for this year. Whatever you can do, Give it a try. It might be in your bed. It might be in the shower. It might be standing at the bench as you're trying to make your first coffee for the morning. But I do want to offer something here as a little bit of a guideline. I think it has to be in the first 15 minutes of your day. And if it's not within the first 15 minutes, I don't know if you've started the day with it. I think you've done other things first. So, in the first 15 minutes of the day, start the day with prayer. Now, I would not ask you to do anything that I myself am not willing to do. And with this one, I have been doing this for years. I've been doing it for years, and I would not offer it if I did not have a life-giving sort of story of my own to offer to you in this sense. I've been doing this for years, and I know that this one works. What we set our mind to first at the beginning of the day is what we go on living for the rest of the day in little microwaves. Uh, There's research showing that literally what we fill our mind with first is what we then actually subconsciously go on to live out for the rest of the day. And and this has been my story, even as a busy parent for these last couple of years. But before that, it was, was, I used to get up and I used to sort of soak in prayer. My wife would leave for work first and I'd be up second and I'd take this sort of meandering sort of 40 minutes because I'm a pastor and I'm paid to do it, you know, and I just love it. Then we had kids. Kids destroyed my prayer life. And all I could scavenge up was like this like 10 minute window and, and that was it. That was it. 
And usually it's like through a fog of like, you know, like, oh my goodness, that was a rough night and all those sorts of things. But I would still say today that starting our day with this moment is really crucial. Whatever you can handle, give it a go. Whatever your step is, take that step. Thirdly, this is the third piece, the last piece of today. You need to create an accountability loop. You need to create an accountability loop. Yeah, it's all good to go and like white knuckle it and try and pray some more by yourself. Good luck to you, but it's probably not going to work. You need to create an accountability loop to this. You know, have you looked at your screen time, for example? Have you got your screen time on your phone? Has it told you how much screen time you're using? It can be pretty revealing, can't it? That little bit of information pops up. Ding. Hey, Dan, you're on your phone for three hours and 57 minutes today. (laughs) That's a revealing moment. That's not the accountability loop. The accountability loop has to close from there. What am I going to do with that bit of information now that I know it? How am I going to put it into practice? I need to close the loop. So for me, in 2022, which is last year, I spent the entire year off social media. I turned off all of my social media accounts at the start of last year. That started because in 2021, my screen time kept telling me how many hours I was spending on social media. It was still COVID, okay? So like I was giving myself a little bit of leeway there, like, you know, it's COVID, I'm like, it's okay, it's fine. But it wasn't fine, okay? It wasn't. So my screen time kept telling me, you are spending too much time on me. And so I closed the loop. I got off my apps. I turned them off. As you know, the first step was, you know how you can set your phone to lock after a certain amount of time on it? You know how your phone can do this? It's smart, eh? So you can say, hey phone, I want you to lock all of my social media apps after I've been there on them for an hour. Okay, you can turn them off so that your phone says, you've been on this for an hour today, no more. And then you can bypass it. <laughs> like an addict. You know, like, I want more, give me more. So I was doing that for a while. (laughs) And then, enough is enough, I had to get rid of them completely off my phone. Because here's the problem. Sometimes the one-hour warning was going off at like 9 (laughs) a.m. I was like, this is not good. So off I went. So I spent all of 2022 off social media. Now, did I just do that by white-knuckling it? No, I had a couple of people who I entrusted with the journey, and we did it together. We cheered each other on. We encouraged each other. We kept each other in the game. And, and we got there. We got there. And when I got to the start of this year, I was like, well, it's new year. Maybe I'll come back onto this thing. It's like, nope, no, no, nope. Because I quite like having that extra two or three hours a day that I'm not looking at this little thing, you know? Accountability loops can be made with people. They can be made with some tools, like some apps that help you to keep lined up and moving where you want to move. Um, You know, it could be a person that you invite into your life to say, I'm trying to do this. I need you to tell me the truth and keep me moving. That's what an accountability person does. I am trying to get here. Don't, Don't tell me how crappy I am. I already know that. Do you help me move to this place? Can you do that? Can you help me to move? Can you help me to get there? That's what an accountability person does. You give them permission to speak into your life and to check in with the journey. So the first question to ask is, what is distracting you? And then the accountability question to ask is, how are you going to work off that distraction? So maybe it's your screen time. How's your screen time been? Well, close the loop. Have you been attentive to your kids? Are you distracted with your kids? How are you going to close the loop? Are you going to bring your partner in to say, we have to do something about this. We have to close the accountability loop on this. Have you stopped for Sabbath? Are you having a Sabbath and taking a day to rest and to delight and to worship and being delighting in God? Or have you just been going weeks and weeks and weeks without that? 
Who is going to help you close the accountability loop? Are you praying every day, even just for a few minutes at the start of the day? Who is going to help you close the accountability loop? You know, so just as an example, um, let's use the top point just before, commit to starting the day in prayer. Well, if you're sitting there today thinking, I'm going to do that, Dan. I'm going to give that a go tomorrow. Well, then here's the thing you need to do. You need to invite someone along for the journey with you. You need to create a... Um, a space with the right trusted person who can text you or check in with you each morning to say, how was prayer this morning? You have to give them the permission to say that back to you. Let them do it, and you've just closed the accountability loop, and you can set off on the journey. If inviting a person to do that seems a little daunting, try this as the first step. Get your phone, put a notification on it 15 minutes after your alarm that just says, be with the Lord. And then your phone, after it's woken you up, will then tell you in 15 minutes to double check. So that's helpful too. Or if you're in a circle, if you're in a community in this church, you can invite your circle to being the people who will help you on that journey. Hey, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to pray every morning and people can be invited into helping you do that. We need accountability loops to help us move in the places that the Spirit of God is drawing us. So to head towards an undistracted life, we don't do it alone. We close up the accountability loop and we'll experience the joy with others in a beautiful way. And I think we'll taste community as a result of that. That's what community does. So in closing, what am I trying to say today? I'm landing now. What am I trying to say today? I'm trying to say this. To follow Jesus is a matter of our attention. It is. To follow Jesus is about our attention. My question I'm trying to hold up to you today is this. Do you know where your attention is or are you distracted? And the answer to that, well, actually, uh, only you can answer that. Only you can truly tell us the answer. But I just want to offer in closing some beautiful words from the psalmist David as some inspiration for what this could look like if we get it right. I love this in Psalm 27, this beautiful scripture where David says this, one thing, so one, what's that key, what's that sort of idea? Well, that's the center of this concentric circles. <laughs> one thing I ask from the Lord, the only, and this only do I seek, that I, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. To the psalmist David, this, this is attention. This is attention, this number one thing. To experience the beauty and the delight of having his attention fully on God. Now, I know for so many of us, that will just seem so far away and so unachievable and so hard to do, but let's not give up to the failures. Let's give in to the failures, sorry. Let's go on the journey, another step. Uh, maybe another stumble <laughs> might be a better word. But let's wrestle our attention back to where it will see life at its greatest and its most beautiful. Like those disciples, nothing else will satisfy. Only you, Jesus. So my benediction today is simply this. May you be attentional to Jesus in your following. May you be attentional to Jesus in your following.